Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Very startled to find that I was reading some modern books. Um, so I thought, I right, how can I rectify this? Da, 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 da. I, I, I am startled, yeah. It's our good friend, Dickens' deputy, Wilkie Collins, the little novels. <laughs> so I went back to an old faithful. Um, they're called little novels. They are not little novels. They are short stories. So these aren't novellas. Okay. These are 15 to 20 page short stories. <laughs> very little novels. <laughs> very, very little novels. I, and, you know, the, I'm, I'm just saying that I'm a novelist and just you just have 10 page novels, but you know. It's from 1887, like but this was out of print for almost 100 years. So it's rare. Oh. And they reprinted it then, um, you know, 30 years ago or whatever in, in America, and you can get it now. Um, oh. I'm just going to quickly touch on a couple of them. I'm not going to win any great detail. Um, there's different, just to give you a flavor of them. For example, we have Mrs. Zant and the ghost. So that's the idea that we, this guy and his daughter see this woman walking along and she's acting strange. And it turns out that she's seen a ghost. They take her in and they're very kind and they try to help her out. And that's really, that's really it. You know, I don't want to kind of spoil them because they're 15 pages. So if I say what happens, then it's spoiled. You know, there's not enough. To, to talk about and the, but and this is this is Wilkie Collins your good friend and it's called Little Novels I, I have I've yeah. never heard of it okay well exactly um, hmm. there's a lot of forced marriages though <laughs> which is or oh. trick marriages or well, he was a big critique uh, of of, hmm. of marriage in general yeah. and there's one for example where the girl says to this guy look um, they're talking about the fortune it turns out the money should have been hers in the in the will or whatever and the guy's got it and just look the fortune is yours he says, but, you know, remember how poor I am, feel no more for me. And she says, you won't, you won't take this money and he won't take it, you know. And just, okay. well, if you won't take the gift by myself, will you take me with it? And he's like, well, I guess if I'm going to get this money, I'm going to marry this girl as well. And he says, don't worry, it's the leap year. It's the one time when, when women are allowed to propose. So there's a little, okay. <laughs> a little trick marriage there. But there's other ones that are more deliberately forced. There's one story with these two guys and... Um, they see a play and then the play starts coming to life in front of them yeah. and it's about they're, they're trying to get the girl to marry one of them but really she wants to marry the other one and they keep saying well, no no you, my friend can have you and some weird kind of things happening in them and there's one where they're on a boat and the, they, owe, they owe money to um, I think she's called Mrs. Pounce and she says well look, you're on board my ship so I want you, my money before you leave and the only way I'll let you off with it, because they've got no money, these two dandies, is oh. if you marry me. So they fo- oh, she forces the one of them to marry her and then regrets it later because she has to take a fake name. And it's all the usual stuff. There's marriages, there's romances, there's fake names, there's ghosts, because Wilkie Collins is a fan of his ghost stories. Yes, indeed. From time to time. They wrote a few even with, with Dickens as well. Indeed, indeed, yes. And plays as well. And again, guys, if you're not recognizing Wilkie Collins, um, his favorite uh, yeah. The famous ones are The Woman in White, The Moonstone. So The Moonstone is one of the first real mysteries, isn't it? In it is, English yeah. Language. And next it's month, I shall tell us all about an amazing Wilkie Collins book called Armadale that I've started. But that's for next month. All right, um, so you haven't finished it, but it's... I've just read a little bit. But just to kind no of teaser, to yeah. wrap up, there's, there's also nice moments. There's one where the guy goes off and he meets a princess. He's like an English guy sent to a, a foreign land. And the princess is in love with him. But instead, he falls in love just with a poor girl that he knew from his childhood. And, you know, and he says, well, when you ask me, do I ever regret the princess? I direct you to my wife. And of course, his wife is the poor girl then. And they're, they're happily ever after kind of thing, you know. Hmm. Um, so some of the things work out nicely. There's also a, another similar instance where um, it's about whether or not the money's going to go to him. And basically she gives up half a million in order to marry someone who only has 800 pounds because love is more important than money. Right. So Indeed. some of the sentiments that I really care for, you know, oh, good. and everyone, you, you like your Wilkie Collins. You loved uh, no I do. I mean, and the titles are always Mr. Lismore and the widow, Mrs. Zant and the ghost, Miss Mina and the groom. It's always Mr. Medhurst and the princess. It's always Mr. Or Mrs. <laughs> and the something. And the something. Yeah. Um, 
There's one that worries me, though. It's this all's well that ends well type idea that doesn't work for me. Couple get married, and then it's another trick. And then he just says to his wife, well, come to my house and just stay there. And I'm going to go out all day and night. And you're not really ever going to see me. And you don't know anyone. And you don't have any friends here. I'm not going to introduce anyone to you. So she sends her dad around. But what's going on with this guy? And in the end, he's like, oh, I wasn't cheating on you or anything. I was just acting in the theater. And I didn't want to tell you because I had a fake name and all this kind of stuff. And then he donates money to her dad's church. And they do this like, I didn't know we're all happy. And I'm like, yeah, but you still weren't nice to her. Like, now now that they've talked about it, they're nice. But she still lived like a month or two of like seclusion and sadness. Like, it's not, it's not great. Oh, no. Oh, Lord. Okay. Um, so that's what I read, and they were fun. Like if you like short stories and you like Wilkie Collins and you like a touch of romance, I would say to to read them. But you know, uh, it's very short as well. There's like a dozen, twelve page, fifteen page mm. stories. You know, but um, that's the Wilkie Collins little little novels. Um, nice. And then Sounds we went good. back to the future. Oh, because back to the future. 2021. I read Sharon S. A. Satilla. The Stealing. Now look at this lovely cover here. Great for the, the listeners on the radio. Wow. <laughs> so, it's a nice cover. Eh? It is. It's the kind of cover you would love as well. It, yeah, it's, right. It, let me just That's... describe it to the people. It's it's uh, it's a man with long hair uh, just holding a woman from behind and the waves are crashing in the background. And he's kissing and, uh, her cheek with his arm kind of around her, her front. You, thou, you romantic fool. You. And what this book is, there's this girl, Sarah, who's father is a sea captain and he's very rough with her and he he doesn't abuse her as such but he you know he insists that she's got to be staying working on the ship she works her really hard like a fully grown man twice her age she's a schoolgirl, you know and she doesn't really want her going off to college and all this he's just like why can't you just stay here and work with me and make nets on the boat you know and he's called rex and she's sarah and then um there's a kid grant and his brothers um and they kind of bullied her when Lance and Brody, they kind of bullied her when she was younger, but now she grows up and becomes very pretty and everyone loves her. And her dad does boast about her. He does like her, um, but he doesn't really know how to show it to her. So he's mean to her face, but nice when he's telling other people about her. Um, but there are, there are some issues, you know, it's, there's a lot of difficult issues in the book, actually. And I'm going to, I'm going to read this to you because it, it says here, just to give you a flavor of how difficult some of the themes are warning. This publication contains the following. Bullying, child abuse, abandonment, attempted suicide and suicidal thoughts, homicide, death, female oppression, profanity, and underage drinking. So, like, there's just a lot of different themes being covered in this book. Um, I like the profanities included, though. Um, And essentially, this guy Grant wants to make it up to her. Then there's this other guy, Eddie, who likes her, but he's kind of creepy. And then the really interesting bit, she tries to kill herself at one point and Grant saves her. Or does Max save her? Who is Max, you might ask? Max is this demon from another world who wow. takes her and shows her his world, uh, a, a kind of afterlife, I guess. And she manages oh, wow, to I love that. let me go back to my life. You can always reclaim me whenever you want me, but you don't have enough energy to sustain me here. So let me go back and bring another life to you. So you wonder, is she there? Is she with Grant just to get him to Max? Does she love Max? Does she love Grant? What's going on hmm. here? And Max essentially kidnaps her, but she's immediately in love with him, like which is startling. But then that wears yeah. off, and she's like, "Okay, I'm over that now." I, the Stockholm Central, yeah, yeah. I want to get back to to Grant and to my dad and whatever else. And you know, she wants to leave, move the, out of the city, and do her own thing. And so does Grant, but just deals with like a lot of controlling and possession and all this kind of thing. So a lot of really cool themes are not, not cool themes, but important themes are are discussed within the book. And uh, it, it seems to have a slight kind of Stevenson uh, flair to it, a kind of a mm. adventure novel, 19th century style. Would you say that there's some influence in that? Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could, you could say that. It's, it has some mystery ideas and it has some adventure sort of ideas. But at the same time, it, does, it is grounded in romance as well, which, you know, mm. I think if something's not grounded in romance, then I... It's very difficult for it. me to, to want it, right? So, right, okay. Um, that's <laughs> six there. So that seems to have to take the boxes with you. Yeah, oh, hold on a second, oh, PJ. Who's I hear the telephone ringing. You can wait two seconds. I'm going to go see who's on the line. Hello, you're through the books, boys. You've got Dean on the line. Who's calling? Oh, uh, Sharon Satilla. <laughs> awesome. Sharon, we were just talking about your book, The Stealing. So, it's a nice coincidence that you called in. How are you doing? 
I'm doing fantastic. Great to hear. We were just talking about about the stealing here, and I read this one a week or two ago, and I just say it had a very interesting sort of interesting take because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, I wasn't sure what to expect from it. It's your debut novel, obviously, so I hadn't read you know anything else, and I'm thinking, okay, what's the vibe going to be? On the front, we've got this lovely, lovely cover. Um, and I just thought, okay, this is going to be some romantic elements, but I didn't know what to expect because there's some otherworldliness to it and there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Where do the ideas for this come from? Oh, uh, I mean, it's a lifetime of experience. I mean, starting off at the coast of Delaware where the setting takes place. I mean, a lot of the inspiration is from um, really my growing up on the coast. Um, you know, kind of the eeriness of, you know, where the, you know, where the bay or the ocean meets the coastline and, you know, kind of, you know, how it's sort of country and marsh and all these kinds of things, all these elements, um, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, storms and, and all these kinds of things. So I was, uh, I think I, I was mostly inspired by um, really the isolation with COVID and it sort of took me back to a childhood where there wasn't a lot of people and there was quite a lot of of natural um, elements you know the storms and and so forth and all of that seems very um, you know seemed larger than life when you're a kid because it's you know can be can feel you can have a lot of fear with that so mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit, I mean, I'll, I'll go through the sort of basic plot in a moment, but tell us a little bit about Max, because he's obviously totally different from anything else in the book. What was the inspiration to kind of include that kind of character? Like, is he real? Are we meant to know if he's real? Is he a kind of dream world or is it not meant to be clear? You know, I I really I created him sort of as the, you know, the divine interference, Right. In our lives, we can control a lot of our lives. We can make decisions when we wake up in the morning. But there's always this, you know, idea, especially that there are things out of our control. Mm. And and there's this also can be interference by others. You know, you can have interference, meaning you're you were on your way to work or something, and then somebody calls you with the, you know, an absolute emergency. Yeah. And you know, your day is changed. And so uh Max is the in is uh, you know, the entity that that changes, you know, the course and direction of things as we're trying to make decisions. And, uh, you know, and he's uh, interfering kind of, you know, well-meaning, which is what a lot of people, you know, in your life, they, you know, they're well-meaning. They mean to help you. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't always work out for the best. And sometimes it does. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I like, which is that it's unclear whether Grant really believes in Max or not. But he says this line, I've loaded it here, my body is made from the land, Max is the spirit of death, but he cannot hurt me because I'm the spirit of life. So I was never clear whether he fully believed Sarah about Max, but he goes along with it anyway. Like, and I think he's good with her in that way. So I really, really like, endeared me to him. That endeared me to him a lot, you know? What? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, all of us, you know, even if you don't consider yourself a superstitious person or a religious person or, you know, all these kinds of things, there's still this element of the unknown, things that we can't quite explain. And because um, he uh, m- believed that she was saved by divine intervention, but he had a hand in it, uh, he believes that there's, you know, a chance that all of this is correct. It's kind of like when you mm-hmm. say, when you say, hey, you know, I don't necessarily believe, but I'm not going to do something really, um, you know, I'm not going to do something uh, that's going to make my life worse, you know, just because sure. I don't believe, right? So um, I think there's, you know, there's an element of he believes that there are things he cannot explain. So he has a certain humbleness about, about mm-hmm. him that way. I like Grant a lot, actually, because, I mean, obviously I like Sarah, but she's the main character, you know, and you're going to like her anyway, and, and obviously her problems with her dad. But I really like Grant because he has this, okay, I was mean to her when we were younger. I've got to make it up to her. Also, I think I might love her, and I'm going to 
just be the nicest guy I can with her. And I, I really like that. I just thought he's, he's relatively simple in his motivations, but he seems to be doing his best to make amends and just be a good guy now, you know? So I, I really like that about him. Who's your favorite? I'm always interested in knowing who authors like the most in their own work. So, uh, you know, I, uh, Lance actually, um, you know, was, was a favorite character of mine. Um, you know, just, I know that he's not quite the main character. Um, of course, Max, um, you know, I mean, it's really, when you say which one's my favorite, um, Lance, Lance definitely was my favorite character. If I was, um, you know, in the story, um, mm. I would probably gravitate to, to Lance, his personality is very strong, um, you know, and he, uh, you know, just has kind of a larger than life personality and yeah. he's in the mix also, um, you know, kind of, um, you have this action reaction. He's also kind of nudging things in a certain way, you know, to, you know, kind of guide the story as well. And also, you know, the main character characters are trying to, you know, figure out, you know, kind of how to find their path in life, right? So you have all these different elements, but you always have that really strong personality that's kind of trying to force you to do things that you really don't want to do. And that's what he does to his brother. He forces him down a path the brother would just assume if he didn't have a brother, would probably just stay home and, and you know, do what he, you know, was, you know, yeah. what he thought was important, right? But of course, we have these other people that are trying to guide us, you know, saying that that's not good enough, that you need to be challenged. And he's sort of the challenger in all of it. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, a, a very, uh, you know, I guess, you would think of him one way as a stereotype, but then he really isn't. He really mm. isn't the stereotype. He's actually quite complicated for a for a side character. Yeah. I should say the way the three brothers interact, I don't know, it's it's ridiculous, but also realistic and believable, because that is how like three brothers kind of would get on and doing these like ridiculous things, like the crazy scene where they try to convince Sarah that they're like using chainsaws on each other. And my first reaction is, oh my God, this is crazy. And then my second reaction is, I could see three lads doing that though. Like that does seem like, yeah, three brothers that are kind of always kind of competing with each other. And like, yeah, it's, it's not unbelievable at all. It's, it's just, it's crazy, but it's real. Well, it's, there's some elements in the book that are actually, um, you know, based in reality. I mean, of course it's fiction, but um, you know, some of the, some of the elements like, uh, the haunted house um, actually existed at the time uh, on right. boardwalk. Um, they did have uh, character actors uh, at the time. So uh, when when people read it and they try to compare it to today, they would think, "No way would there be a working chainsaw, you know, in an, in mm. a place <laughs> that where kids are walking around." And, no way would there be this element of real danger, you know, and, um, and all these kinds of things. And actually in the time, you know, we were a lot less safety conscious. Yeah. <laughs> we did things, you know, <laughs> for, for sometimes for thrills and things that really today, you know, definitely I agree that if I, you know, if I'd written in today's society, there would not be a haunted house that, you know, kind of performed and acted like that and had, you know, real chainsaws going with real smoke and all that kind of stuff. But back then there was, there was a real chainsaw guy wow. <laughs> at, the, at the haunted house. So, <laughs> so how, how much of, I was sort of, I'm curious about this because you say there's, a, you know, some real elements in this. So how much, how much is real? How much of yourself and your own experiences in the book? Um, I mean, the, some of the locations and the backdrop, you know, is, is, you know, things that I had, you know, experienced growing up in the area. So people that are in the area would recognize uh, some of the, you know, some of the places and, and, uh, mm -hmm. and so forth. I mean, for instance, the lighthouse truly existed. Um, the demise of the lighthouse, I, I took, uh, you know, definitely fiction, um, but um, definitely a, 
you know, a lighthouse and, you know, that was on the road. The road is, the, there is, the, that road does exist. It was a road that I grew up on. So quite a bit, I mean, quite a bit of the story. I, I really wanted to base it more in a, um, in kind of a, make a surreal story out of a realistic play, mm -hmm. like, like a real place um, that, that then you could tell a story um, instead of making the, you know, the book, you know, elements to the, you know, in far, far away galaxy, all these kinds of things. I mean, I really wanted um, someone to feel like, you know, this, this could be, a, you know, a place where I could have grown up. And, yeah. uh, and actually, I did, I, I grew up, in, you know, on that road. And so nice. there's a lot, there's a lot that's that it, you know, as far as place wise, yes, as far as characters, did I have any uh, you know, three brothers living next door to me and all these kinds of things. No. Okay. And <laughs> but, but do you I'll side with, do you side with the uh, farmers or the fishermen? That's sad. That's so, what need to know. so I, I, uh, my, you know, it's my, my father was actually, you know, a fishing boat captain. And so I had, uh, you know, I grew, grew up with this sort of dilemma that I wasn't going to be a fisher boat, a fishing boat captain. And I had to figure out what else I was going to do with my life. Of course, my, mm -hmm. my real father, my father in real life was very supportive, uh, you know, and wanted me to go off to college and things like that. And so he definitely, you know, wasn't like the captain of the story at all. I'm glad to hear um, it because <laughs> Rex is a bit, do you know, it's yeah. fair to say that it does come across that he he loves his daughter in his own way. He's just one of those guys who doesn't know how to show it, you know, and, and I think that does come across. He boasts about her when he's talking to other people, mm -hmm. but he's kind of only proud of her when she's doing the things that he wants. She makes an amazing net and he's so proud that she makes the net, but he's not proud that she wants to go to college or do anything that she wants to do. So it's like, OK, he has his failings, but I was also kind of like, I can see he tries sometimes you know, and, and he's trying to love her in his own way. And he's, well, I think he's a complicated character. He's self-interested, right? So, yeah. so this is the thing. She's, she's surrounded by self-interested people, which, I mean, most of us and most of our lives, that's who we are surrounded by. I mean, mm. you know, he, he wants to keep her close. He's got his reasons. He's, you know, controlling and possessive and all these things, but also, you know, a parent, which a lot of parents are. I mean, it's part of the role of being parent to be worried um, and to make sure you protect your your children. And so to transition away from that, there's a balance and it's a really difficult balance because as you come, if, as you're trying to figure out what you wanna do with your life, um, you know, it's, um, you know, you've got all these different elements pulling on you, right? You've got your parents that want you to stay home. You've got, you know, these just circumstances that happen that are out of your control. You're trying to decide the best approach every day based on, you know, whatever is getting thrown your way. So the book really is, um, you know, about the, the hero of the story, this young girl, she's trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life. She's trying to get away from all these elements because she can't figure it out on her own, um, you know, with all these things pulling on her, mm. but, um, the, but it's not that easy. It's actually, it's quite difficult in real life. You have a lot of things pulling on you. I mean, you may stay in your same hometown because, you know, really can't stand the thought of leaving your friends mm. and family. Um, and they can't stand the thought of you leaving. And yet that you may have had a different destiny if you had. Yeah. So um, all these decisions, I mean, really, this is a book about, I guess, all the things that can come at you um, in order, while you're trying to find your path. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. And that's, that's something that most of us have to deal with as well. You know, we've got to go off to college, we're going to stay in our hometown and all that kind of stuff. It's, it, that's real, you know, and you're right. The dad is self-interested. Max, obviously, as a kind of demon is self-interested. He wants to take Sarah away to his own kind of realm and, and just keep her there. And there's that weird scene where he does that kind of ritual thing to heal her with the cutting and the burning. And it's very intense. And I, I thought, oh, goodness, sorry, I'm struggling with this scene. This is very intense. <laughs> and then, you know, even as you say, like everyone is more or less self-interested. We've got the creepy guy, Eddie, who's trying to hit on her in school. And then he's telling these lies about her and things and attacks her at one point. So there's a lot of selfish characters. But to what extent do you think that Grant was self-interested? Because I, I can see that there's 
everyone has a little bit of self-interest. But I think overall, I think he did maybe want the best for her. But may- maybe I was just rooting for the romance too much. To Maybe I'm blinded to his faults. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, th- I think he's very, um, he's singular in his, uh, you know, his character arc. I mean, he, he really wants to make amends. I mean, he he feels guilty for the way that yeah. he's treated her. Although there's this little thing in the way, which is, that she's also becoming quite beautiful, right? Over time, she starts off, you know, kind of, you know, wild looking and, you know, really unkept and so forth and they make fun of her. Um, And then, you know, they didn't, couldn't really predict it, I guess, but she got more and more beautiful as time went on. And so he's also attracted to her. So here it is, he wants to make amends. He wants absolution. And uh, before he goes off to college, he wants to close that book. At the same time, he's attracted to her. And, um, you know, the more he's with her, the more he wants to be with her and realizes that he's going to end up leaving her behind. So uh, he wants to take her with him. Um, and, and it's only a couple of weeks. You're talking a couple of months, right? After a lifetime of mistreating her and um so he's conflicted and he wants to you know he wants to make amends so he's trying to help her also he saves her but he also and he also wants to take her um you know and he's got he becomes quite obsessive um you know he's got that possessive obsession that happens you know just he becomes obsessed with her, uh, you know, looking across the field, you know, her house is so close yeah. and, uh, you know, all that. And so, so he's conflicted. He, he really starts off with a mission to do that, but it's really difficult when you also know, well, of course you want to make amends. Of course you, you know, he knows, of course, you know, he wants to uh, apologize, but she's also really pretty now. So, you know, what's his real motivation? Right? He's attracted to her. So it's, it's, he's got, it's kind of a double edged sword there. Yeah, I suppose you have to wonder. Which plays out in the later. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you have to wonder would he have put the same effort in if she hadn't been pretty, you know? Right. And, you know, (laughs) and it's a, and it is a point, right? So you have people, it's funny. um, I think if, um, when people read the book, they will, you know, they'll bring up these points and these are really valid points, right? And, and also, um, in real life, I mean, you've got a lot of people, you know, I've got people that'll bully you or make fun of you and so forth. And then later they may like something you have, or they might, you know, like something about you. And now they're apologizing. And when they do, it's probably, you know, you know motivated by something. It may be motivated by something yeah. and you know what. And so, um, you know, the, it, it's, and, and, you know, you have people that say, wait, you know, she wouldn't possibly like this guy next door. He's been bullying her her whole life. Um, you know, but then again, um, she's also disgusted by her life. She also knows that she's the, you know, daughter of a fisherman, that there's fish on the boat, that it's disgusting. I mean, she she in some ways probably agrees with some of the, you know, some of the criticism, mm-hmm. right? He also doesn't like it. And, um, you know, so maybe some of the forgiveness is there. I don't know. But yeah. the characters are quite complicated, much like real life. And um, what they do is unpredictable, um, I think. And I really spent a lot of time trying to make sure that the reader would not know what happens next. Mm-hmm. So, no, you're, you're right. It is unpredictable at times. And I think also Sarah and Grant have uh, some parallels in their life. They're both working for their parents. They do both kind of want to go away and do something a little bit more their, to their own taste. So they do have that empathy. But, you yeah, know, it is unpredictable. I mean, there's a part where they go up and right after Max tells her he's had a premonition of her death. So, OK, well, I just go up in a plane with Grant then. Like there's no there's no fear. There's just this like recklessness sometimes, you know, and I think that's kind of charming in a way because they're young and they're not going to be making the most sensible decisions. But if, you know, if someone told me I was going to die, I wouldn't go on a plane with a stranger, you know, or a semi-stranger, <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> that's, um, when you know, when you know that you're going to die, maybe she realizes that this is her only opportunity to, to do the few things in her life. And then she knows that she sees the, you know, facing of eternity. Right. Mm. So that's the thing is that Max shows her, potentially shows her the other side yeah and when and when he does that you know she realizes how 
you know, it's just, you know, even if, even though her life is not that great, it's still a life. And the afterlife, that's forever. That's, you know, ongoing. And um, I think uh, it put, it put some perspective in, you know, her, you know, thinking that she's being tortured all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So when she comes back uh, from that, it's, it's very, I mean, and spoilers all over the place on this. (laughs) (laughs) But she, when she comes back, um, from it, she's on a mission to, you know, to, you know, find a path to happiness, right? To find a path to fulfillment, not knowing how long it's going to last. So when he says, "Look, I'm going to take you soon. You're going to, you know, you're going to die soon. Um, some, you know, somebody's going to murder you. Um, that kind of thing." Then, you know, she's got to just keep going. She doesn't. She doesn't want to just give up, right? She wants yeah. to keep going, and just the way that we you know, would we would expect her, which means she's turned the corner a little bit because in the very beginning of the story, she was so willing to just give up, right? Mm-hmm. And I had to have her give up, um, you know, because it's, you know, I wanted to show, I guess, the consequences of giving up so easy, um, even though, because, you know, life is quite hard, Right. So we really yeah, yeah. probably try to give up so easy. There's still some other things in life that we should probably experience. And she does kind of trick Max to get that freedom. And then I'm thinking all along, has she tricked the demon guy or is he just he knows more than we know and he can take her back when he wants. So it's fine. You know, and, and you, you kind of always that suspense is there in the back of the, the whole rest of the book then, you know, but you're right. We, we we did some spoilers, but we'll not talk about kind of the ending sections because I, I don't think we, we never really talk about the end of a book because, you know, people should, should read it. But um, I just wanted a quick question because there's some mystery in the book and it just kind of makes me think you did some private investigating work. What, how did that come about? <laughs> so- you mean like uh, what kind? What part of mystery are you? <laughs> well, I know it's just because obviously you did private investigative work, but at the same time you haven't written a, you know, an Agatha Christie style like a straight up investigative novel, but you have still included some elements of mystery in the book. So mm-hmm. I just it's just interesting. Like, is that something that you you wanted to to write about? Some based on more of those experiences that you had? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's not you know it's not quite. Uh, you know, a whodunit sort mm. of thing. But there's yeah. definitely some elements there. I think, um, you know, my in investigation work, my specialty is more in deception. Um, and I, you know, more into um, mostly just trying to make sure that uh, people are being honest, um, or telling the truth. Right. And um, so some of those deception tactics, some of those things I've I've put in the book mm. um, there's that, that makes it um, you know, when you're, it makes it, I guess, uh, more like a, more like a suspense, there's some suspense elements and um, you know, and there is, there's so few characters. Uh, I did that on purpose. I really don't like the, the stories that introduce, you know, 25 characters and you're supposed to figure out who did it and they're bringing up people all over the place and all their you know, yeah. different motivations. And so I just, I just decided I, I wanted to make a very small, I wanted to introduce, you know, one character at a time, you know, bring them into the story and then um, really have things happen between this very small group and still you won't know quite what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and who, who does, you know, who's responsible for what. And, and even, and you really don't even know how much Max is responsible um, in, you know, in certain places um, because um, I put in the book this idea that, um, you know, he can obviously kind of come into your dreams. And, you know, what is his limitation on that? I haven't quite made it clear at the end of the first book. But he's got, he, he may or may not have limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the area where the area where this book is based out of um, was really um, you know, Delaware Indian land, um, you know, a long time ago before, um, you know, 
uh, the colonization and um, it has, so some of the elements of the book, you know, bring in a certain amount of uh, point of view of the kind of the area, the cultural, the local culture and um, is really where where some of this come, you know, some of this comes from and, you know, and how there's like kind of a recycling of the earth, um, you know, and, uh, you know, debt to the earth and things like that. All that comes in, it's kind of much more uh, cultural for the area. And, um, and you really, um, but so if, you know, if you can imagine, you know, Max is you know able to enter the dreams of you know at least in the area maybe he can enter the dreams even if you leave and really you don't know uh, you get a hint of that because they do go off quite far away and it seems that you know she's experiencing you know having Max there and you just don't know if she's just imagining it or not that's the problem yeah and that's kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning not everything is made clear you did say there at the end of the first book. So is there going to be a sequel? Uh, there, there's not a sequel yet. Uh, it's my intention. I've, I actually, you mentioned private investigation. I have a investigation company and it's been quite busy. Mm. And so I, so when COVID was going on, everything was, was slower. And I thought, well, I'm just gonna, I'm going to knock out these three books. Um, and um, so I'm, I have intentions of three books, so we will, and I okay. have outlined, I have outlined a second book and it's just a matter of how much time in between sure. uh, will be, but yes, I've got, I've got, um, I mean, the book, I mean, I consider them in, you know, from a story point of view, I see them as, you know, three books, cool. um, you know, possibly, you know, possibly more, but but uh, Sarah's story, really the first book is about how she, I mean, really how she ended up with uh, superpowers, right? So <laughs> that's yeah. you know, kind, of the, <laughs> kind of the beginning of how did she end up, you know, with superpowers and you really don't know much about, you know, what her talents may be and so forth. But, but really she's on the path of an, you know, kind of an empowered path um, right at the very end. And she's, you know, got a lot of superpowers she could potentially use, right? She's got powers from a divine entity, right? Mm. So um, there's a lot of possibilities there. That could go a lot of a lot of ways, yeah. And I picked up a new little hint about the sequel, so maybe I'll do my own investigative agency next, you know? I'm very, very astute with that. Now, the last <laughs> question we always ask every author um, is, and I never really kind of let anyone prepare for this, so it's going to come out of nowhere, but if there's one book that you've ever read or been aware of and you've wished I wish I was the person who'd written that. What would it? What would the book be? Hmm. That's a. It's definitely a hard one. <laughs> people go different ways. Um, Some people think we just their favorite book from childhood. Some people think, well, yeah. which book made the most money? You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not. You know, it's uh, it's funny. I I think the most thought for you know it's kind of for me it's interesting I think um and this it's um uh the I'm trying to think of and this it's it's a story of probably so so the problem is when you ask me this question I really like survival stories and you can't create a survival story unless you, you know, I mean, really the person, there's someone that goes through it. I mean, a real life survival. Mm. And when you go through it, um, you know, the person that's writing it is telling the story. And to me, um, the story, I mean, there's two stories really. um, But for me, the endurance, um, you know, the, you know, the, uh, expedition uh, to the, you know, with the Antarctica and like the, so mm. the endurance was a ship and it got stuck in the ice. And then all the people that were on the ship had to, you know, had to, you know, try to figure out how to survive. And the, uh, you know, and the survivors told that story. Mm-hmm. And so do I, would I want to be, yeah. would I want to be the person <laughs> on the ship that had to survive that? I would say, I would say no. No. Uh, I wouldn't want to have to have lived that life. Um, but 
those stories are quite fascinating. And what's fascinating is just the human spirit to survive and how long, I mean, when you read these books about, you know, for instance, how, I mean, how they did survive that, um, you know, it, it reminds, I mean, that's the kind of book that I wrote, right? Is the, it's a mm. book about survival. Um, and so um, how fascinating it would have been to interview and to research oh, yeah. um, that particular, you know, that just the endurance, the story of the endurance, I think would be, you know, probably my, the highlight would be something that I would have loved to do. I really love research and I, I really have a lot of curiosity about, you know, just how people dig deep to make the, you know, to survive. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's really not survival. I mean, everyday life can be a struggle. And so it's very, um, you know, it's very difficult. People have difficult lives and they get through them. And uh, the ones that, um, you know, are able to navigate that, you know, have really are very tough individuals. And I really admire that. So, um, you know, just in, in general, I think, you know, it's this, you know, it's the stories of, shipwrecks and and um you know and things like that that interest me the most and i love um you know reading those sorts of things and would love to write you know a book about a real life you know mm. be the first one yeah. to write to write about a survival story okay like that. so that's a that's a unique answer we've not kind of had anything like that before i wish i could write the book without kind of going the trauma required to have had the experience to write the book. <laughs> Research the book and then write it. Yes, I don't want to go through yeah. anything like that. <laughs> well, awesome. Sharon, thank you very much for calling in. Um, and thanks for your time. And I'll put a wee link to the to the book and the show notes and things like that so that people can, can pick up a copy if they want. And that's us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, enjoying the book, reading the book. I, I really love it, you know, when people tell me that they've read it. And, um, you know, and I... I'm happy to answer any questions if anybody sends me any and would like to have, I guess, insights into the book. So I appreciate it cool. very much. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening. Okay. Thanks. All right. Wow. Well, what, a, what a surprise, but essay to tell herself calling in to have a, have a chat about the stealing, the amount of coincidences on this. On this I, I just can't, I can't believe it that it happens all the time here, you know? Yeah. So. And the stealing.com is where you can, you can read about it, but I'll put the links and things in the notes as always. Um, it's a really, really cool book, so I'd, I'd really, really recommend it to anyone. Look, okay. we spent so much time on last month's episode that we're going to try to do this one a little bit shorter. <laughs> so let's wrap it up a little bit. Um, I do need to mention our sponsor, inspired by the perfume. This month we are sponsored by killerperfume.gov. <laughs> if you want a perfume that may or may not um, be lethal, that's where you can get it. Um, Little Africa. Or it might, it might make you quite, um, it might have an aphrodisiac effect. You know, it might. Know. You never know. It's a risk that you it's, should it's be willing to you, take for, I think for beauty, so. you know? Aphrodisia or, or, or death, yes. <laughs> PJ, shall we close with our recommendations? Indeed, go ahead. Mine is very, very simple, very straightforward. The complete works of Plato. So we used to we used to joke about this a decade ago that I would kind of go to the disco with the complete works of Plato under my arm, you know. Yes, indeed, because you because you did read the whole complete works yeah, at all of age it. eighteen or eighteen and or nineteen. Yeah, I don't know if I recommended this before because I never keep track of the recommendations and I never put them in the show notes. But if I have, look again because if you didn't take the recommendation the first time, take it this time. Um, dialogues, Plato putting. All but one have Socrates as the main character. He's funny, oh. he's witty, he's giving Socratic irony. It's this idea about walking around Athens, having a dialogue with these sophists who profess to be smart and are teaching people. And Socrates just pokes holes in everything they have to say and shows that they don't really know anything. Um, the Euthyphro is the shortest one, and it touches on religion. So if you want to try one without like a big, big one, try the Euthyphro. That's, that's it. But mm. If you're interested in philosophy, particularly the old stuff, Socrates, Plato, all these guys, then I would say just literally the complete works of Plato. You can get it in one big volume. And it is the foundation of our philosophy, everyone. So, it literally um, is, yeah. So I guess Aristotle's came afterwards, but everyone's been influenced by Plato, especially this idea of, of there being basically the idea uh, of reality being based on a higher ideal, but Aristotle's might have something different to yeah. say. And essentially, philosophy is just a dialogue of Aristotle's and Plato. Plato's like have... Chuck Berry, right? The father of the whole genre. There you go. You got you got a new one. There you go. <laughs> so, PJ, well, have you got a recommendation for us? Talking about a book that depicts um, the 20th century, um, The 100-Year-Old Man. 
um, who, um, <laughs> I'll go forget it, the 100-year-old man who climbed out of the window and disappeared by Jonas Jonas, right. a Swedish novel I read a few years ago. And it's, it's very similar to The Discovery of Heaven, but a lot more comedic in the sense of it does describe um, humanity in the 20th century was a character who basically just travels around the world and it's just by accident it ends up with these famous people. And you really okay. get to see, you really get to see, you really get to see what it's like to be in the, in Soviet Russia or in, or in um, communist China. What is, what's it mm. like, especially to be in Sweden around that time, of course. Um, yeah. Even what happens with again, the atomic bomb and, because basically the 100 year old man is kind of like invents uh bombs it's kind of like a thing and he's kind of responsible for some terrible things that wow. happens and uh, well, yes there we go. and he his best friend is einstein's uh twin brother who just no one knew about and doesn't exist but never existed but supposedly in this book okay and it's very amusing it's really amusing and i just i also enjoy just like with the discovery of heaven the interplay of history and just like, oh yeah, I recognize that. And mm. some are more niche and some are more obvious. Okay. Um, really recommend that book. Well, there you go, guys. We've gone all over the world and the time periods with our books today. Uh, I think it's my turn to go for a closing song. So I'm going to play my new song, The Fires oh. Burning Bright. Um, I'll get the DJ to spin that record in a moment or two. Yeah. Um, I just Let's want to mention lit. again. Get us on the Instagrams and the social medias, uh, booksboys.com, all the places, Apple, Spotify, you can listen to us wherever. But most importantly, if you want more, if you want all of our extra shows, Playboys, Film Fellows, Poetry Pals, Interviews from the Vault, uh, Dark Place Dreamers with with Dark Place Robert, um, you can get all of that at our Patreon. So patreon.com slash booksboys. And you can also recommend books for us and you can get t-shirts and all the things that you want if there's a thing you want in the world we're probably offering it um that is not we're not legally held to those terms though please um <laughs> but it's two pounds fifty or three dollars a month is the lowest tier um so it starts pretty cheap it, it's, um, it's basically just a gift for you guys it is our gift to humanity. you so to humanity to society right we're the, the living <laughs> legends um the benefactors you know but anyway that's that's been episode 20 of books boys only one more year we'll hit the big 21 and then we'll be real adults in america we can drink you know oh god knows what good no god knows what (laughs) we'll be reading that well but guys this has been episode 20 of books boys if the dj would go ahead and spin the record we'll be back in about a month and get lit as in read See ya. The fire's burning bright for your love tonight. The fire's burning bright, my love. The fire's burning bright for your love tonight. The fire's burning bright, my love. The fire's burning bright for your love tonight. The fire's burning bright, my love. The fire's burning bright for your love tonight. The fire's burning bright, my love. When you tussle your hair like you just don't have a care and you flash me a smile, my love. When you blow me a kiss like Cupid's arrow, it won't miss. And you say I'll be there in a while, my love. The fire's burning bright for your love tonight. Woo! The fire's burning bright, my love. The fire's burning bright. Oh, it's bright for your love tonight. The fire's burning bright, so bright, my love. When you emerge from the mists and you blow me a kiss and you walk towards me, my love, and you hold my hand, then you make me understand all your secrets I can see, my love. The fire's burning bright for your love. Oh, for your love, baby! Fire's burning bright. so bright, my love. Fire's burning bright, baby. For your love, fire's burning.
Yes. Part, I scoop those ashes from my heart that you set aflame, my love. My spirit was crushed by a vixenous maiden's blush. I played your deadly game, my love. The fires burn bright for your love tonight. The fires burn bright, bright, baby, my love. Woo! Oh, so bright, so bright for your love tonight. Wow! Fires burn bright for Books Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. Ah! This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Killer Perfume. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trap Door. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either Podsafe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus booth Fan the Boys shows and you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends, and come back next time for another episode of Books, Boys. Read some books! Hello, there! Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. The only way to make these episodes just get longer and longer every month is if we just start reading the books in a, in a live stream, right? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.